Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. from the path to be from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Justin Proper. I'm not sure if that's even true anymore. What do I mean? It's, uh, it's an objective reality. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, okay, here's what we got going on the show today. Hey, just real quick, if you have not, if you're not listening to that, uh, the Fall of Mars Hill uh, podcast, uh, I would say I would say two things to you. Uh, one, it's pretty good. It's it's worth a listen. It's interesting uh, if you listen to Mark Driscoll. Yes, but just in general, I think like um, uh, listening to a narrative of just church risks, I think are are wise to be aware of hmm. um, the risks that leaders run, the risks that people who love and trust Jesus in overly trusting and following fallible humans, even if they're popular. Uh, I think is is something like I think um, we do bear responsibility for our own spiritual walk. You have to be able to say, you know what, nope, uh, that don't sound right, and I'm not going to do it. Um, and so, and being discerning in there, and so I, I think that's valuable. I think there's a lot of um, they delve into things that maybe just uh, average average church attendee just doesn't think of about infrastructure stuff and. Um, how people go about trying to talk about things and the the notion of seeing what what it feels like God is blessing something that if you were to look at it objectively go I don't know why he would be blessing this um, <laughs> yeah actually and, and I think one of the points they were trying to make is like and, and I caught myself I say this quite a bit right like is like you judge a tree by its fruit and you're like we put up with this and this and this and this behavior um, which we don't think is very good but look at the fruit look what it's doing and like um yeah, it's we're we're stuck to uh, and th- this will be true within Mars Hill for sure as you listen to the podcast, but it's true for your life as well. Is we're stuck in a in a in a finite time construct, right? Like we we balance everything and measure everything by time and what we see and what we can see now, right? And like um, our judgment of what a good tree is producing or what fruit is good uh, has a very small time window, <laughs> you know. And so like at the moment, we'll be like, this is what this is something that looks like it could be good yeah. or this is something that looks like it's on the right path. Um, and I mean, you don't have enough fingers and toes to count the number of people you've ran into that have, that are the, are the seed on the rocks, you know, that get put out there and then they get choked up and gone. And for the, for the first couple of days, you know, we're like, yes, this is all heading in the right direction. This is very positive. This is very good. Uh, and so if you, if you expand that out and go even, even through 10 years, um, I, I don't know. I don't know that we have the complete ability to say uh, a man-made structure, a man-made way of doing things um, can be labeled as, you know, good fruit, bad fruit. Um, obviously, if, if Jesus says it, it's good fruit. And if Jesus says, do not do that, then that would be the bad fruit. But but it's probably it's probably really hard to tell. I mean, especially as you listen to the stories through Mars Hill. Um, I mean, they, they had a, an amazing effect on the culture that they were in. Where they had planted, they had they they took fellows to task for being responsible for their uh, families, for themselves, uh, for being a member in their community. And like, if I were to start ticking boxes of what I expect, um, you know, God would expect out of men, it, that covers a lot of ground. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, if you go about it in in 
a way that shortchanges the way that God wanted to do it. And and maybe that goes to church planning as a whole, uh, which I, I mean, I got zero experience in, but I do know that like we do spend a lot of time in form and function and deciding, you know, this is the program or the rubric or the, or the play that has worked before. And like, once again, I, I, my experience with Jesus Christ is not that at all. Like he, he does not, he does very inefficient things as far as my, my human brain is concerned. Right. And what I would see as a logical a to B to C to D step. I mean, he'll have you walking all over the place and hit Q on your way back to B before you move on to C. And I will go, well, what was the point in that? And he knows what the point was. I don't, (laughs) you know? And so like, um, I, I, I think Ben's right. I think you can grasp a lot of, like, there is a lot of internal church stuff or like if you, if you dig on church structure or you've had any leadership role in a church at all, um, some of the, the, the stuff that they did, uh, is, is amazing. Like some of the stuff that they did well, uh, was amazing, right? They're buying out Kmart's in 10 miles to get enough clothes to baptize people in. You're like, what a problem to have. What an yeah. awesome problem to have. They're sending shifts of people out and cleared them out, the short aisle and the black t-shirt aisle, so they can get people baptized. And like, you listen to those stories and you're like, what is awesome? And and God certainly used those things for good, regardless of what happened to a group of people of how, of how they met. Um, but there's also some huge danger in it too when you start to, to push... Um, an agenda that like, I don't know, to, to try to make it a business format and make it grow how you see it should grow and then stop having Jesus involved in the minute details. It's just a, it's just a failure to be faithful in the means. It's, yes. a, it's, it's driving ends and saying, this is the end that we want. Actually, that's why I always struggle with like, even as churches, like having certain types of goals. You're like, well, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's good to know you need to assess the health of your community. Absolutely. But like, Goals. Some, this is true in business too. Like, like sometimes um, cause us to to drive a, uh, an end without asking whether we're walking faithful in the means to get there. Um, and like, I just happen to believe that faithfulness in the means will produce the proper end, whatever end it can actually support. Um, there's no reason to be arbitrary or inflated about what that end is. Faithfulness in the means will create its own proper ends that are reflective of that faithfulness. So why do you, why do you have any confidence in that? And I, here's the reason I asked that is because I was listening to, uh, I was listening to the, the had a Joshua Harris interview on, on one of those, you know, and, and he was very famous for writing a book. Um, that was, I kissed what dating, dating goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. whatever back in the nineties, 2000, something like that. And, um, he was a reformed guy and, and, you know, recently he's uh, basically walked away from Christianity and said, he's not interested anymore. Mm -hmm. And I I started thinking about like, they have a lot of stories of people that like went to Mars Hill or went to a church. And then like, after a while they just decide, you know, this, this wasn't for me. I'm having a hard time finding that. And so what they're, what it sounds to me like they're missing is the thing that you just described is why do you have any confidence that uh, that is the way that it will work out, right? Have you ever been in a situation where um, somebody brought something to you and they wanted to talk to you about it because they knew you were like the Jesus guy in the room, right? And they're like, I have this real heavy thing. And they tell you this story and you're like, boy, I really want to hand over um, my confidence in Christ about what's going on here. But I know that there's no way it is going to land well, right? This whole thing you've described is just ugly beyond ugly. And they don't have confidence in Christ. Uh, and so the thing that I'm going to say is not going to be comforting to them at all. Um, and then, and then for a split second, this will happen to me. I'll think, do I actually think that Christ will handle this? <laughs> you know, like, do I actually know 
Can I speak on his behalf? Can I say God will redeem this thing or God will be in the midst of this thing or, or, or the Holy Spirit will, will, you know, can be with you if you, if that's what you choose. And like, um, I was convicted because I was reading in Daniel this week about the, those three dudes, Abednego. What are their names? Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't have to say it like that. You can say (laughs) Abednego. It's, it's, it's Abed, Abednego. It's Abednego. Abednego. Okay, stop it. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I'm reading about the three fellows, right? And like, they, they, they did something that I, that I don't think that I could ever be accused of doing, was, is where Nebuchadnezzar created this, this uh, idol uh, of a statue of himself, and um, he basically said, look, everybody's going to have to worship this thing, and uh, the three bros weren't going to do it. And so he was incensed, and he comes up to him and says, uh, listen, you're going you're gonna to worship this thing, or you're going in the fiery furnace, and I'm going to beef it up eight times its regular heat, and you are going to burn instantly. And they say, here's the deal. Our God totally could get us out of that furnace, but even if he doesn't, uh, we're not going to worship that statue at all. And I thought, right there is something that I would never do, is say, God will get me out of this furnace. Now, is that because that I don't have the same confidence uh, that God would come through on that thing, or I feel not confident enough that I don't know what God's doing. Maybe He will let me burn for a principle. I don't actually know. I mean, they said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, you got, they left spo- that open as a possibility. I suppose they did say as much, <laughs> and I suppose uh, that's a catch-all, right? Like because if God didn't show up uh, and and in the furnace as well, then they're like, well, I told you either way, you know. But but is it cheating? It feels like cheating, I guess. <laughs> well, well, here's the deal. Actually, this, that's a really that, that that kind of proves the point um, because that's begging the question of the end. Like we're trying to predict the end and then make sure God comes out looking shiny. Uh, the the faithful. It's the the question is the faithfulness. I, regardless of the end, let's ignore the end because I can't control all those things. I know that I I can walk. This is what it looks like to walk faithfully with my God. And 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 no and simply, it's simply a statement of fact that says. God could totally get us out of this thing. Yes. But even if he doesn't, uh, we're not going to worship that thing. Yeah, right. right. So, so wrap all that up together. And, and I guess my thought process is even through a guy like Josh, um, I go, I think you, you must have not had that confidence at all. Right? Like what, what gives me the assurity that uh, no matter what goes on here, God will be God. You know, Christ is king. And like I, my role in this thing is what it is. Um, but trying to explain that to somebody that doesn't know Jesus or in certain facts when, when your life's going rough and, 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 you know, some things start in your mind and you're like, I mean, are, are you, are you actually on the throne? Can I count on you for this? Like this, my wayward family member is acting a fool. Like, I know you play the long game, but how long, I mean, how long is this? Can I have faith that you're going to try to turn this thing around or, you know, like what it's, it's a simple, it's a simple, but maybe complex question, I guess. But, but like, where's your confidence coming from? Yeah. I, I always have trouble, you know, speaking for God, you know. Yes. I, I always think, like, I mean, really, you're going to tell the, the, the prophets of, of Baal to go ahead and, you know, uh, call on your God and, and light that on fire. And, yeah. And then it's not going to work, and I'm going to mock you, and then I'm just going to suddenly speak for God and say, okay, burn this altar, you know. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it worked because it was in the story. You know, we read it. Uh, but I, I was like, he must have had some pretty good confirmation before that, before he made such a bold comment, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, you don't just start going around saying, well, God's going to do this or God's going to do that unless you really know he's going to. Yeah. 
And, and like in, in my own life, when things are going going down, I think, well, this could be God's way of saying, hey, you're out, you know, or, or uh, you know, it's, it's time for you to do something different or, um, you, you know, I'm done. I'm done with you, with your child, you know, and your child gets, gets sick and they're like, wait a minute, what? You, you know, right. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And so it's hard to speak for God. I just with faith, you just say, well, God, you're in charge and you do what's best. And, and I'm just going to trust you that things go well or not well, that you're still in control and you have something different. Yeah, and you know? so and so like that actually, um, just before that story. That, so you're talking Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter two. Um, when God reveals the dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel, there's like a prayer. There's a praise in there, or a blessing. Um, and that's one of the things that Daniel says is that, hey, like, thank you. We know that you are God and we trust you. And it was one of those things where, like, realistically, I, this gets to, I think, the, the, the crux of the question is that, like, how do I know God is who he says he is? You will, you will often come up with a, a answer that rides the waves if your only point of view is through you personally. Because from, from Daniel's perspective, um, he could look back and say, like, w- with what confidence does Daniel even say that? He, his, his, him and his friends and parts of his family, and granted, he was probably one of the king's relatives, and so, like, king's dead. Uh, so his family has been killed. The city's been ransacked by Nebuchadnezzar three times. The temple is destroyed. God's physical residence with his people on earth has been torn down. Yahweh, in effect, could have been thought of as being defeated by Marduk or Bel or whatever God is there um, because his people have been conquered and drug out of there. And, and so David, like, or David, Daniel realistically be like, well, how can I confidently say that God is who he says he is and that he's in control and that he is sovereign over all this? Look, we just got, we got lambasted here. And so through, if, if, if only through an a per, individual sight, um, I think it's a much harder question than if we otherwise, if you back the, the zoom the camera out um, and you look over the history of humanity, and this is why we record, this is why the, the, the Bible exists, is reminders of God's faithfulness over time. His, the, the prophets saying how things were going to happen, and they did. Um, reminders of how people have behaved and how God has responded. Um, and then and, and, and altars and, and Ebenezers and physical things that remind us of that, those things. And then it's, you have to deal with that, the reality of those things that is outside of just whatever thing is sitting in front of you now. Because I think it's a hard question in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. Like no one is comforted in the midst of tragedy going, well, uh, one of your kids died, but you know, God's got this under control. He's sovereign over it all. Well, if he's sovereign over it all, like couldn't he have, couldn't even stop this thing. Right. And so, um, I think it's a very difficult thing to deal with individually. It becomes a much more tangible and rational way to look at things and to be assured by when you can do it communally when you can look at the history of God and his interaction with his people and probably within your own community and say, I'm not feeling it right now through my own lens, my narrow lens, I'm questioning whether God is good and whether he is here. And then you, you start taking in other things and go, you know, it's not, it's not what I would have chosen. Um, but I can trust God. I have seen him. This isn't a personal vendetta against me. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nature of a fallen world that this thing is occurring. Um, and even in this, I have, I believe that God is good. I think it's hard, yeah. but, it, but it does require you a bigger frame of than just your own. I'm, I'm pre- teaching through uh, the seven letters to seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3 right now. And, and uh, not last week, the week before, I was looking at Smyrna. And, and that's the, 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 
the church that received, hey, man, I, uh, from Jesus, I see things are really rough and people have died and it's awful. Uh, brace yourself. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's pretty tough. And I started playing around with the math, and you know, I'm thinking, hey, Polycarp, he's supposed to be from Smyrna, and I was kind of looking at his story and everything, and I thought, you know what? Polycarp would have been in his 20s when that letter was received in Smyrna. Yep. And so probably for the next 60 years, he talked from that letter, saying, hey, be faithful, be faithful, even to death, um, things are going to get rough, we don't know what's going to happen. And then he dies a martyr, you know, was it, when, was it uh, 165, something like that, um, AD, and it's like he 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 lived it too. Yes, he taught it, he digested it, he saw it, but he also died uh, through the Roman government uh, for his faith. And, and it's like, where in that? Like, God was so glorified in all that, right? Uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's awful, and and you think, man, there's no hope, and and, and how, how how could a loving God let that happen? I know it's part of the story. Um, yeah, and I suppose that points to because uh, some of the things they touched on in that in that. Mars Hill podcast was people talking about deconstructing and whatever. And like, I don't actually know what that means. I think I get it, but I, you know, uh-huh. um, but, but almost everybody they talked to that was deconstructing their Christian faith was doing it uh, alone, was doing it by themselves. Like, just yeah. let me, just let me go. I need to figure this out. I like, I just need to, I need to think on this for a while or I need to whatever. And like uh, very similar to what Ben said, that's very hard to, um, try to look at God's faithfulness over your pinpoint in history. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, and frankly, we wouldn't want it any other way. We don't want a God that steps in and forces the hand of his own creation on the minute by minute basis. Now we do. I mean, we do want him to step into creation and he's definitely done that. Definitely within my life. I can attest that he's done it. Um, but, but we're fooling ourselves to think that we would want anything more, right? That we would want a God that would step in and like, and, and basically hurt us around like cattle. Um, that's not free will. That's not choice. That's not actual love, right? Like that's, that's a, a pre-programmed response uh, based on stimuli, right? Like it's, it's nothing but a formula. And, and we don't actually want that. And so trying to go through that um, through times of trial or, or, or what they call the deconstruction, uh, you try to run through that on your own. I, yeah, you're probably going to go, you know, now that I look back on it, I don't feel like God has moved in this place where I wanted him to or interceded in this place when I wanted him to. And you're probably right. He probably has not. Um, but overall, as a community and as a church and as a world, um, God has revealed himself plenty, uh, has, has documented cases uh, through scripture uh, of where he has. And like the community that you probably just left, uh, if you'd have had a Thursday night sit down, get together and say, look, I need stories of where God showed up. Who can meet me at the church at seven? I, the place would be packed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it actually, so on the opposite end of that, I was listening to, um, I was just, uh, N.T. Wright has a podcast where people kind of write in and ask questions and stuff. Do you ever consider that his name is not Wright? What do I mean? <laughs> right. Like if you put N.T. together and write, every time I see his name, I think that man's not right. That man's not right. Oh. Hey, you got Nathaniel on that one. <laughs> it was a comedy. It's just what I think. No, I didn't. Uh, no. His name's Tom. <laughs> Why does it go by NT? I think for like for his his uh, his scholarly articles and and books, he's he's under NT Wright for the stuff that is meant for everybody for the lay folk. Uh, he writes under the name Tom Tom Wright. He's not right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What's the N? Stand for? Yeah. What's the N? Uh, I don't know. Not Tom Wright. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. Nathaniel I'll, probably. I'll put the Google on it. Okay. No, Nathaniel put the Google on it. Okay, he's gonna work on it. So, uh, but anyway, so like on the um, g- going back for uh, anyway, so someone written out their question about spiritual gifts and stuff like that and tongues and it's like, hey, uh, but one of the stories they had was said, look, we 
uh, me and some friends uh, were, were, had read scriptures when we were younger, and we said, look, we're supposed to have a reaction to this and, and, and help the poor. And so they said for the last five, ten years, like they, they're a group, they get together from different churches, and uh, they just go out and they serve the poor. And they said as part of just normal meeting, nobody comes from like a Pentecostal or like a Assemblies of God background or anything like that. So like they don't, this notion of modern day spiritual gifts is not part of their teachings. Um, and no one has, has it or is comfortable with it or anything. And then so, but they said like it just started happening. Like they would, they were meeting and they were studying scripture and praying before going out and serving and stuff. And so, like, like stuff just started happening. Like people would stand up and they would have words of wisdom or prophecy or like someone would start speaking in tongues. And they're like, oh, we don't even have a background for this to like understand these things. And like, I think the, the whole question, what the question this person was asking was like, should we be teaching on this more? Um, be, like if they're real and true things that happen. And like I, the basic answer was like, this is how it's supposed to kind of occur. Like you, as opposed to, to setting the end and saying, hey, this many people should do it. Or like, I think falsely you have churches will say your, your level of maturity is dependent on whether you do this or not. Um, it's a natural outgrowth of just people walking faithfully. That's all they did is they just said, look, we feel the scriptures tell us that we're supposed to go serve the poor. We're going to go serve the poor. As part of doing that, we're going to get together and study the word and pray. And like over time, without asking for it and without having a teaching background, it just, these things just started to occur. And then she said, um, it's continued to happen. Like it doesn't happen all the time, but it's always like something that somebody needed to hear or it's a, like it's, it's happening in an environment where we're trying to walk faithfully and it feels like God send, is sending the spirit um, as encouragement and enabling walking faithfully as opposed to setting it like a target. Hey, I think we should be able to speak in tongues. And so, like, I actually thought that was kind of cool. I'm encouraged hearing someone tell that story, mm-hmm. hearing someone say, like, as opposed to all the stuff that people are battling and trying to figure out some sort of posturing or target, they're just saying, look, we just, we, as a humans, we know the Bible said this, and so we're going to walk faithfully in this. And then who shows up when the people are walking faithfully? God shows up in that and affirms people and encourages them and provides gifts that continue to enable them to serve the kingdom in the way that the scriptures talked about. And I'm like... That seems right to me as someone who doesn't have any of those gifts or has not seen them like that. That seems I guess my notion of reading scripture. I've not seen scripture set targets. I always see scripture just calling to faithfulness and then stuff follows out of that. And without prescribing like the impact could be a thousand. It could be 10. Not my problem. My, My issue is faithfulness. And then what and then God will send the spirit to come along in faithfulness. And then uh, the right things will happen. It's not even my responsibility to measure them. They just are. Because like, here's, the, here's the question. is that Let's say you, we, we look at it and we go, uh, hey, man, we, we, you've been walking faithfully with Jesus for 10 years, and only two people have been saved. And I, I, what am I supposed to say? Oh, well, what should I have done differently? Not walk faithfully with Jesus? Right? Like, there's not another option. Like, that's all you can do. And, like, I get it. There's, like, human notions of, uh, hey, man, if we, if we restructure our service or we do, there's all kinds of stuff you can do that, that uh, tickles the wick and gets uh, people to, to, to pay attention. And I, I, I don't think Jesus was above that. I, I don't think the church should be either. But, like, at its core, if your notion of doing anything isn't walk faithfully with Jesus, like, I don't, I don't care about any other posturing or program you have. 
so like, you, it's you, that. Do you feel like the like most of the disappointment then that um, these fellows are going through um, is probably rooted in them trying to control the ends? Yes. Right? Here's what I expected That's God right. to do, or here's the the modicum of success I expected, or the feeling I expected, and instead of just doubling down on faithfulness and letting God be God, we said this has to be something that God would want, and therefore it didn't happen. And so God probably is That's not right. in it. Yes, I think, I think um, and humans get easily tied up to that. Even and with the church, it gets crowned as right thing, wrong way. Like, hey, uh, I want, w- w- our goal, our mission as a church is to be the largest church in the Des Moines metropolitan area. Well, I mean, is it wrong to have the largest church? No. Is it, is it good to say we have a lot of influence? Well, if you're teaching the Bible, like, what, sure, why wouldn't you want that? That sounds great. Like, these all seem like really good things. The question is, is less about what your target is, is that like what, like if you're walking faithfully with Jesus here and listening and letting the spirit guide you, like he'll send the people if he wants the people there. Like you just got to know your limits, man. And so I I just, uh, I know this seems like I'm I'm tugging back on, uh, shouldn't we aspire to greatness for the gospel? Yes, but I think greatness for the gospel is you walking faithfully in it. And that's it. And like, and maybe God will grow that. And maybe you're walking faithful in the gospel is for your neighbor. And that's it. He's the only guy who will ever hear you. And he will come to love Jesus for it. And like, God doesn't say, well done, my faithful, like, goal setter. Well done, goal achiever. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Your job is to serve. That's it. Like, he's, he's looking at what you, you're walking faithfully with him um, the outcomes are his to handle. And so I think like listening to the Mars Hill story and, and the stuff from Josh, Joshua Harris, I like at some point you just get an expectation. You get used to having a level of influence. Um, you get used to um, having an idea of how something should or should not work. Frankly, this is the reason people don't apologize. This is where we lack humility in things. Um, hey, if people find out about X, Y, Z, they're going to stop coming to the church. They're going to feel, they're going to realize that we acted this way. So we keep it all backed up. Is that walking faithfully? Like not being humble, not repenting, not apologizing, not forgiving. So what in protection of the, you thought was the good thing you neglected to walk faithfully. Yes. Recipe for disaster. You know, who nailed this John the Baptist. Like he was the, he was the, he was the Driscoll of the, of the early age, right? Like just calling everybody out, giving everybody the repentance speech, saying, I'm tired of all this, blah, 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 blah. And then Jesus shows up and he goes, I got to shrink back. Yeah. Time for this ministry to fold up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just shrunk to the back, got himself put in prison, died beheaded. And, and he lived a faithful, awesome life, Elijah style. Just, just rolled the whole thing. And, 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 and Jesus even attested to the same fact. He's like, it's the best man born a woman. I'm telling you, this guy's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, we think, well, how could you possibly do that? If God has set your church on a trajectory to be a mega church, why would he ever take that away? He did it to John. So <laughs> that's right. I, I mean, if, if, if John is subject to the, the, the whims of the Holy Spirit, then so, sir, are you. Well, and he allowed it in Jerusalem. Think of it, that, like, think of the diaspora of the church. Like, after Jesus dies and resurrects, and the church is growing, uh, and then persecution happens, and the temple is destroyed, and Jews are spread out everywhere. And we're like, but well, we really had a good thing going in J-Town here, Lord. Like, why would you allow this to break up? I'm like, because I do what I want. This yeah. is, it's not your deal. Because, once again, we, we, we get to see a small slice of time. In the time that we're looking at it, and God sees all of time all at once, right? Like, he's, he's not, there's not a past or a future to him. He just sees it all. And so, like, 
some of the things that he that the Holy Spirit will ask us to do or guide us to don't make a, a, a flipping bit of sense at all to us. We're like, I don't know. This makes, what do you mean shut the doors down or, or close the place or start seven churches and, and cut ours into half? Why would we cut our, 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 our growing congregation into seven congregations? Jesus goes, because I want you to do that. Yeah. And because I, I, want, I want you to do this thing. I'm telling you, it's going to work out. <laughs> you yeah. know? And like, I, I guess just to, to clarify, uh, like I have a bent towards, I just don't like things being uh, I, where it feels like you're trying to drag the spirit around. Uh, and so I get nervous about it. Uh, and I get nervous about structures and posturing, but the reality is, is that like, I think it's okay to have goals, but like the, the, the point is to say, uh, you know, what's the, what's most important is that you're walking faithfully with Jesus. You're faithful in the means beyond that. Like God may allow you to set a goal simply so you can see that his hand was involved in surpassing it. I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but like the moment, I mean, the moment, the notion of some sort of goal or target that you set sacrifices, even the smallest breath related to you faithfully following Jesus, you're done. This became about you. Yeah. Well, I, and, and I suppose that's pretty easy to, to, to put a bellwether against is like, get rid of all growth goals, right? Let God handle growth. That's ends. Right. And so, like, don't say, hey, we're going to target this area uh, or whatever. And, and for growth, we're going to target this area for faithfulness. And so that's what we're going to do and watch God do growth all the time. Yeah, because those are because the, the thing is, is that, like, that's the question you, you should reasonably ask. If you let's say your church was at a thousand and then two years go by and your church is at five hundred and you're like, boy, what the, all these people are leaving. What the heck are we doing wrong? And then what do you, what do you, what's the first thing you're going to check? You should check faithfulness. Hey, are we teaching the word faithfully? Yes, we said true things. Are we serving the poor? Are we ministering to the people that are part of our community? Uh, are we blah, blah, blah. Like figure out all the notions of like things that otherwise reflect faithful walking with Jesus. And if you were nailing them, then like it's the other things you're going to change are relatively superficial. Right. Like, but that, those are the first things you ask. And so just get the, that's what I'm saying. Like if the, that's, that's paramount. Everything else is like human behavior stuff, which is, it's not, it's not unimportant. I'm just saying that like, that's where the, ultimately the destruction of Mars Hill and the current state of Joshua Harris's Christianity, um, are notions of false or of ends of, I want an end. Okay. I'm, it's my responsibility as a pastor here to turn around all the boys within the church and they're going to be good men and they're all going to have jobs and the ladies are going to stay home. I'm like, I mean, you overstepped your bounds, bro. Let's start with walking in faithfulness. Like, and how are you going to get them there? You're going to you're going to going to behavior that is domineering, abusive, and language unbecoming of a pastor, a leader of the of a church of God. And now what? Maybe you whip them all into shape. You got your ends, but you got them through human means. And that's and that's you don't you can't lead you can't lead God's people acting that way. And so, can you can you aspire things? Yeah, God, I think God will put some of that stuff on your heart. I think it's okay, and I think people do need to be motivated. Sometimes you got to help people see a vision bigger than themselves. Hey, man, our whole block, our whole city can love and serve Jesus. It's possible. It's okay to motivate people that way. I think the Scripture does that. Um, it's the whole. It's a, the nature of what God's people were to do, but. Um, I'm just saying like where it fails, it fails because someone saw the ends and then co-opted them and was willing to try to get them into other ways than otherwise we're just walking faithfully with Jesus and your, and your own ambition can't bear it up and, and, and it harms the church and it harms people that go to the church and it makes people like it's your sin in leading that way, uh, will fall on other people. And there will be people who will sever their, their relationship with Jesus because of it. It's a disaster and you should be held to the highest account. Hmm. You will listen to Life in the Path. Now, that was number one. 
My second here's my second oh. heads up on this podcast. Oh great, hold on. Let yeah. me wind up the old dreidel. Go <laughs> well, ahead. You talked way longer than me. <laughs> I don't. I didn't even do this. I was probably sitting. There. I brought it home, Nathaniel. I'm the closer. Yeah, not right. What'd you say, Nicholas Thomas? Right, Nicholas Thomas. Okay, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Fire up your second okay. point, which will inevitably lead into your third point. No, I won't have any additional points. <laughs> there are only two. There are only two. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something else. <laughs> um, so, the, so the, um, the only other thing about that one is um, there is a bent to it. There's a theological bent to it, um, and I think you should just be just be wise to that. Um, I, I think the risk of looking at failed humans. Um, is that it's so easy to attach everything to that failure and say, look, this was all awful. And uh, I don't think that's the case. I, I think, like, from a Mars Hill perspective, as an example, um, holding men up to the notion of, uh, hey, you can't just coast through life being a burden upon society, your wife, uh, being a poor leader to your children, and absent in your church. Yeah, I think men should be called to account on that. And I think the, the notion of some of that podcast bears it out. Like, I, there were men whose lives changed because someone actually called them to something and said, hey, you're, you were created for more than what you're being. And I think that's fine. I, I don't particularly have a problem with that. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that they played in the podcast and some of the clips and stuff where uh, I, I, don't have, I don't know that I have a problem with the words or the broad content. Uh, I have a problem with how it was said. I don't. It's not a. It's not a loving position. It's not the, basically. If Jesus were to come and t- talk about the same thing, I don't think he's saying it the same way. They because played very dramatic music when they said it. They though. did do that to, <laughs> to, to try to infer to you that it was wrong. Well, and, and, yes, they did. And so, like, there's some manipulation in there. Um, I, I don't agree with all the theology of Mars Hill. Like, I'm obviously not a reform guy. We've talked about that. Like, it's a show. We're just generally not. That's not where we're at. Um, and so, like. They they took some positions and it got worse. I think about halfway through the podcast, and it's kind of been a little a little bit more bent. Uh, like the last three or four episodes, they're still good, but like it's just like reading any Bible translation, or especially study Bibles. You just got to know what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. The ESV study Bible is is more Reformed commentary. Just know that. Uh, I'd be careful with the message. Uh, like we talked about, I think the Psalms are good. Anything else? Like just be careful. Double check the stuff. It bends a little loose. In some of their some of the way that they phrase some of the language, okay. Um, so I would just say that uh, it's not um, it's not neutral ground, and it doesn't have to be. Um, most of anything that's not scripture is inherently going to have some kind of human in it, and uh, just just know that walking into it, it's got to bend to it. Hmm. All right, now you would listen to Life from the Path. Good. Now that we told, spent a whole oh. whole bunch of time telling you to listen to some other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not I've not even heard one bit of it, so uh, I couldn't say much. You should do it, Dan. It's kind of grabbing. I think I will. It's a grabber. Um, hey, so I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, I have a big... I'm going to read a little bit of this, and then I'm ask. I'm going to ask the first question that came to my mind, and it continues to stick there. Um, this is from um, Christianity Today. The title of the article is, What Jesus Wept Means for Manhood. Conversations in the public square of late have ranged from biblical masculinity to gender roles in the church. We need these debates, and I'm a willing participant in those arguments. But for me, the topics have a personal connection to memories about tears, both my own and the tears of Jesus. I was 12 years old and my paternal grandfather died, and when I stood in front of his coffin, I received a memorable, but as I now see it, toxic lesson of what it means to be masculine Christian. Our extended family was gathered at the funeral home the evening before the day of the memorial service, and my parents encouraged me to approach the coffin to say your goodbyes to Grandpa. When I did so, I started to sob. Then I felt a hand on my shoulder, that strong grip of a favorite uncle who was a construction worker. He leaned over and said softly in my ear, chin up, soldier, men don't cry. Hmm. And so 
I guess my question is, the first thing I thought of when I saw this article was like, is this, is this pervasive still? Like, are we, do you know, like, from your relationships with other men in the church, within your families, like, is this, is this a pervasive thing? I don't think so. No, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. Nathaniel? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Are you going to die over there? Mike, um, keep an eye on him. I don't know. I think he's on the opium. He's acting real squirrely today. Yeah. Doing good. Yeah. He's I, going. Uh, I mean, I, I don't uh, weep very often, but uh, I'm also not being told by other people not to weep, so. I mean, I weep at funerals. I weep during a good worship tune. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to deal with weeping, people weeping. Like the other day, when, uh, during, during the prayer room, you know, uh, my, my younger sister, who's 15, yeah. who uh, I love dearly, she's weeping. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to take it in. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, you, you're kind of like an awkward there, there type of no, pattern. You don't, even you don't do even know what to do. I <laughs> can't even do uh, My wife, my, who, who I love, you know, she weeps to me. I, I say, I don't know. <laughs> I can't do it. Look at that. <laughs> well, well, you don't say. Yeah, okay. Exactly. All right, put that on the list, Nathaniel. We got to work on that. That's that's rough. Yeah, I, don't I usually go I with a uh, I go with a, a a quick pat on the back, and I tend not to say anything. Yeah, that's kind of all I do too. Yeah, there's there's no real. I mean, it's like, oh, I see you're weeping. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you just want to just crank them out too. You're like, you know what? I'll fire up with you. <laughs> I yeah. I don't you know think what I should do. Uh, no. Should I, I, should I weep with them? No. Uh, well, you don't, you don't produce actual weepage. That would be it. Would be phony. Oh, phony weeps. I, I think mean, I feel like if I thought about it for long enough, I could weep with them. I don't think you have to th- <laughs> say anything. I think it's okay just to just if, if, assume it's the right relationship you have with whoever this is. I think it's okay to just put a hand on a shoulder or a back and uh, and just not say anything. It's just an acknowledgement that says, "Hey, man, I, I recognize you're going through rough. I don't want to. I don't want to um, mock you by trying to either fake to cry along with you, <laughs> or or give some sort of advice. Like, I, yeah, I think that's all right. But I, I guess that's what struck me about the article is that this seems like something. I just feel like we're past. Maybe we're not. Maybe it's it's, it's a, with the area, of the country we live, or the type of people that surrounded with, or families we have, or whatever. I just was surprised that this was a front page article somewhere. Like, are we still gruffing our way through life like this in Christian circles? I'd say certainly not in Christian circles. I mean, I, I, and I suppose a funeral. Uh, I don't. It depends on what, you know the uncle's past, where it came from. I mean, you ever heard that dude? That'd be for the time it had happened. He probably was. He probably went through a war, right? Like, and 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 you just you, you can't be. He just ain't got time for that in his mind, right? It is what it is. Facts are facts. We're moving on, you know? And, and I realize that, uh, I, that the word toxic is a little strong, uh, but, like, to some extent, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that had something happen to them, and they, they allowed it to define their whole life from here on out, right? Like their grandpa died when they were seven, and now they're perpetually broken until they're 70, right? Because a thing happened, and or, like, they, you know, they, they went through a marriage, and it didn't go very well. And they ended up in a divorce, and, and their their spouse cheated on them. And they're like, oh, I've been cheated upon. My whole world is done. My, I'm, the rest of my life is tainted with, with this thing. Not to say that you can't take information in, um, but, like, there is a 
there is something about allowing an emotion to run your whole life. I think you can squeeze yeah. a couple of tears out for your grandpa on the on the, the day of his funeral. That doesn't seem like it's over the top at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, what was interesting to me is that, like, that story, he says, that image of the Christian man as a warrior facing the challenge of life bravely and without tears stayed with me. I, he didn't say anything about it being like, Jesus doesn't want you to cry. He just said men don't cry. It's a, it's a thought of a, it's a masculine issue. I'm just not sure it's a Christian masculine issue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I probably got all kinds of advice from, from some misguided dudes as I grow up. I, I mean, I'm going to carry it around for all my days and then come back when I'm 45 and go, I can't believe, Bill, that you led me astray when I was eight. I mean, I, who's yeah. got time to be thinking about this kind of stuff? It just seems like a really small thing. And if you know better now, then are you working on a functional different set of, of rules uh, that you've learned better over the last 40 years that you can go compartmentalize your uncle and go... Hey, man, it was the kind of character he was. He was wrong. You know, he probably shouldn't have said that, but he did, and I know why he did, and have some grace for it and let it go. I mean, it seems like an odd thing to be carrying around your whole, the whole days. So he, he continues. This is really, I, I, people get paid by the, by the word, right? Because this is a really long article. Like, this is a, hey, is it okay to men to cry? Sure, Jesus wept over his friend dying. So, yeah, this was fine. This was never not a problem, actually. But he, he, so he, he goes and talks about it for a long time. And then he says, some might push back. Yes, it is okay for men to cry. But there are elements of the call for men to be masculine that we need to preserve. There are times when it's crucial for the health of the Christian community when men need to show some spine in their leadership. It's not all about gentle Jesus. My response to that is to the degree that men need to show that firmness, so do women. Gentleness and boldness are not gendered callings. Of course, the Savior modeled courage and strength well. He reprimanded people, but in discussing these aspects of his ministry, we should look at that at the context. Okay, what the heck are you even talking about? I, 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 don't, I want a fireman to show up at my house when it's on fire, and I want him to boldly go in here and put that fire out. I don't want to fall into a puddle of nothing on the street. I don't care if it's a dude or a lady. Whatever person has come up to handle a, a beefy situation, yeah, you need to stand up and go do it. Yeah. That seems reasonable to me. And so I, I feel like he's attacking a thought process or a, a lofty pipe-smoking conversation that's not actually happening. Yeah, I, I guess like, the question is, is that, like, I wonder how often, from, uh, as, in a, as a Christian community, we are continuing to defend ourselves against things that someone said some other point or another. Like, hey, we think the outside world thinks this about Christians. Because, like, to Mike's point, if you, if you listen to people who are talking about either um, deconstructing in their faith or, uh, I'm just going to say, just be gracious with me here, but, like, more liberal Christianity stuff, like, they seem to always been fighting against a, a perception of the church that I just am not seeing. And it could be my own box, but, like, are, how much of this stuff is happening? Is it real? Like, dude, dude, this guy, this is a long article. Like, I bet this is 10 book pages. Yeah, there, I mean, no doubt there's some dudes out there that are like, I'm the head of this household, or blah, 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 right? They exist, but, like, uh, I would say most of the dudes I know who are faithfully following Jesus, uh, they humbly submit to their wife running the household, and they're doing their best to support it and, and help it go well and are trying to t- tick all these boxes of, of supporting their wife and raising their family and being a good, honest worker. And, like, they're really hustling their tail off to try to get some of this stuff done, and they're still paying for the sins of some dude you read about on the Internet uh, who, who is some kind of patriarchal jerk. And so, like, it seems, it seems like a really, really broad brush. I, I mean, are there... Are there is this more likely to happen in certain uh, sects of Christianity? Right? Like, I don't know. You can't say sex on here. Sex. <laughs> we don't do the sex. Parts, do you mean? 
Yeah, parts. Yeah. Sections. We that better? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abednego. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, whatever. It's, it probably does. Like, I, I, there's probably behaviors that are prone to certain either, like, fringy denominations or parts of the country or age groups or something. I mean, probably. And maybe we're just, I'm not getting the blend. Well, I, 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 here's the thing where I think perception starts to be a problem. is, And, and it, of course, comes with the speed and frequency of which we're taking in information uh, by the way it's delivered anymore, right? But, like... Um, we were just talking about that, the podcast uh, about the Mars Hill thing, and they said, like, in the same week, um, Bill Hybels came out with a, a misconduct charge, and so did uh, Zacharias, Robbie, yeah. Robbie Zacharias, right? Uh, yeah. And they're like, man, everybody's just, this whole thing's falling around. I'm like, two people falling. Two, right? And um, Now, maybe they had big churches or whatever, but, like, that's two out of the, there's eight billion people on Earth. Let's say half of them are, are Christ followers. And I think our numbers are actually higher better than that, but we'll say half. So out of the 4 billion people who claim Jesus is Lord, two of them had a rough week and did some really disgusting things. True. The whole castle ain't fallen, right? Like you find an example, and then you start blowing a horn real loud, and then all of a sudden we got everybody's up in arms over a thing that's not actually true, right? Yeah, these dudes had a moral failure, and yes, it needs to be repented of, and yes, Jesus needs to deal with them. Everybody's in agreement on how this needs to get handled, right? But, like, the entire structure of, of the church is not falling apart. And, and the same thing is true with some of these things that, like, um, I, I have a couple people, especially on my social media feed, that, like, the patriarchal system of the Christian home is horrible. I'm like, have you read the Bible? Have you read the load that, that God puts on man? It's heavy. It's heavy and on purpose. And he's, he's applied the exact same style of load on woman just in a different attitude and a, a different strength of the thing of what, it, what he's built them for. And, like, we want to be like, the dude is demanding this and he's horrible. I'm like, these are not the dudes I'm running into. Like, seriously, I've, I've, I know a lot of good Christian husbands, and this is not their behavior. So it, it's kind of hard to take in after a while that we're fighting things that don't exist in any of the circles that I run in. Yeah, I, I guess, that, yeah, that's the broad point is that, like, I, I, we should be careful about our postures of apologies of things that aren't particularly happening or not happening extensively. Uh, like, cause if you were to, if you were a non-Christian, you go to the front page of Christianity today, you're under the impression that, that like systemic, that's right. We're having a guys can't weep problem. I'm like, I just don't know anybody who's having this problem. No, maybe I need to know yeah. more people. Maybe uh, you're a weeper. <laughs> call, call the complaint line. <laughs> Let me know if you, in fact, you can cry in the complaint line if you want to. 515-517-0085. Now, hey, look, I'm okay to be wrong here or have my, um, my view of the world expanded or deepened, okay? So, like, if this is happening, uh, I guess I'd like to know about it. I, but, like, and I mean from a Christian perspective, not you've got some kind of kind of hardy boy of an uncle who just thinks men in general don't weep. I mean, like, it's reinforced by the, your, the, the Christianity you're being taught, that's what, that's what I'm concerned with. I'm not concerned with dudes in general. I'm asking you, does, does what you're being taught by your, by your pastor or in your churches or in your study material uh, or whatever online thing you read that says, look, Christian dudes don't cry? Because I'm not missing it's it. It's not even a biblical principle. Like David weeps. Jesus yeah. weeps. Yeah. I mean, there's people weeping all over the David place. David is the most effeminate man you've ever come across. He's dancing in the streets, barely keep a clothes on. Yeah, well, he's also a... Uh, uh, and he's the most masculine dude you've ever run into. Correct. I mean, he's just, he's out there battling people, destroying armies, killing dudes. I mean, 
Stealing stuff from people while they're pooping? I mean, this is all boy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, there isn't, it's a very shallow reading of the scriptures uh, to, to, to come to this type of conclusion. And here's the thing, is what it is, is it's, it's, a, it's a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's an American thing. Political yeah. thing, yeah. right? Even uh, even European thing, right? We'll just put it like it's it's a political system that that looks at men like this, and so I think you are you're just pointing the finger in the wrong area, right? We also we happen to be uh, especially in in democratic societies, we tend to have these thought processes on on how, how men are supposed to act, and like we were mostly a Christian nation, or or, or you know at least to pretend to be, and so like uh, I think it's coming with the political system, not the faith part. Like, I think yeah. it's coming from the political part. And so you, you just got your finger up in the air. And frankly, as Christians, I'm willing to let this go. I don't care if a dude's over there crying at a grandpa's funeral. I don't care. If a, I, I have a hard time if a dude's like, hey, I can't find my iPad. You know, <laughs> if he's over there weeping it up, I'm like, look, man, you got to pull yourself together. We ask a lot out of these yeah. firefighters, and you're over here falling apart over the iPad. I mean, I, you know, I think there's better things to spend your time on. But, like... <laughs> but still, the, the oldies was out of Bartlett pears. <laughs> I just wanted Bartlett's. I got there and the sale on the avocados was over. <laughs> okay, uh, listen. Awesome. <laughs> Pull it together. My quarter's stuck in the return cart machine. I just want this quarterback. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff, uh, you know, maybe that comes off as harsh and people should be free to live their lives as a weeper over the cart situation. You are, but I don't appreciate it. Yeah. I, you're holding the world back. Yeah, I mean, we. <laughs> once again, it's like, it seems really unfair because we go, that guy should have the freedom him to cry and, and maybe he should but you should also feel some level of responsibility where there's out there's people out there pulling their own weight and you get to fall apart in the in the parking lot of the Aldi's about the iPad or the cart and like we're asking police officers to stand in front of dangerous people that we just want to pull over <laughs> you know something or like you know there's, there's there's people out there doing hard things that nobody wants to do right you think there's anybody that's like I can't wait till the day when I finally get to be uh, an embalmer you know, that I got to deal with all these dead, but like, I just, I love it. It's a job that has to get done and it takes a little steel to do it. And so like, I, I think it's really unfair to push people off and go, we don't consider you important enough. So you get to fall apart in the parking lot. It is, we consider you important enough. We need you to join society and be part of what's happening here. Well, yeah. Cause like, if you think about it, uh, it's a, it's a lack of, oh, this is going to come across harsh. Uh, it's a lack of community, right? Like it, communally we say, we like, hey, we're all in this. To, if you just think about it as a, as a community, you say, hey, look, we're all in this together. And then that guy at that point in time goes, yes, but not me. I'm in it for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I don't have to pull my own weight. I don't have to try to show up and support everyone else. I want you. In fact, I want you guys to stop and everyone focus on me. It's kind of selfish. And like, I get that that's not universal. And I'm not. This isn't about you crying at your your grandpa's funeral. No, it's I'm not. Just it's in general. It just like there's a reason. Like, it's not just about you. I guess that's the broad point, is that, like, it's, again, it's too narrow of a focus on whether you get to let your life fall apart and you get to weep over the pears. Now, I mean, no one's got time for this. You're going to drag someone out of their, uh, the rest of their day to draw attention to yourself because your pears aren't in. Yeah. Or whatever other thing is going on. Like, yeah, you just got to buck it up let it, so that other people can go about their business. I was, I was reading an article on, they were, they were, they were recapping last year, and it was the year of the, of the COVID. Yeah. And they called it the year of the do-it-yourselfer. Because of all the stuff that people had to tackle on their own uh, that they wouldn't normally tackle because they wouldn't let a serviceman in their house or lady and uh, whatever. And uh, I was reading the article like, maybe you had to fix your own fence. You know, maybe you may have to cut your own grass or maybe you had to 
come up with new recipes on your own because you couldn't go out to eat. I'm like, this is all standard fare of stuff people used to do 100 years ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody fixed their own fence. Everybody made their own meals, and everybody cuts their own grass. <laughs> and, and so, like, the do-it-yourselfer, it basically means we acting like we used to, <laughs> where people used to actually take care of their own stuff all the time. Yeah. And, like, it was, it was a really weird article because we were celebrating the, 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 the American spirit of, of where we were getting back to. Uh, like, we were doing this all on our own in our can-do attitude. And I'm like, we gave all that up. <laughs> like, we had it, and then we gave it away. And then we reclaimed it and act like we found gold again. Like, everybody used to know how to mend their own fence. Everybody painted their own house. Everybody milked their own cow. Everybody used to do this regular stuff. And then somehow we got, like, we just, we drifted away from it. And then one year of a disease, and we're like, man, I was back to fixing my own squeaky table. I, can't, I found a wrench or whatever, and I turned it, and it took that squeak right out. And like, I, this, I mean, I, I think we should be excited that maybe the homesteading uh, thought is coming back into you, but the celebratory nature of something that is fairly innate seems way overblown. Yeah. Right? Remember, Someone took a drama gun and just started pumping it up and going, boy, we're really something. <laughs> I know? remember thinking about that. The kids would read the Little House on the Prairie books, and like, everybody knew how to build a house. Mm, like yeah. everyone went out there and they were building their own place and like and and the ladies in the books were always just confident yeah he just knows how to build a place he knows how to build a stable he knows how to take care of the horses and i'm like oh these are well-rounded fellas who you could stick out in the middle of somewhere and go yeah i just uh, i'll put a house together we'll figure this out and like we're in a state now where some guy look at a hole in his drywall and go yeah i just um yeah have no idea. I'm gonna have to look that up on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I have to put the bureau in front of it until we get this handled. And here's the thing: is I, I think YouTube's great for that. As much as I have a, have a pain for technology, YouTube is awesome for learning how to do stuff that you don't know how to do. And I think you should take full advantage of that yeah. and put some put some hands to tools and and some ideas and thoughts. I encourage my kids to do that crap all the time. My dad was making fun of me for what? For using the YouTube. So you kids can't figure out anything without the YouTube. Well, I mean, if, if I wanted to struggle for three days and not fix anything, then I would emulate what you're doing. But otherwise, <laughs> there's a guy on YouTube that's got this figured out. I mean, there are advances in especially the way that we share information. Like, you'd be foolish not to take it. Yeah. It's like having a library next to your house and never going in there to check out how to woodwork book. And then you're over there like a stubborn ox <laughs> trying to build a table without asking nobody. I mean, that's just dumb. Yeah. And frankly, all, all the skills that got passed down from to folks 100 years ago, uh, your old man didn't pass down to you, right? Like, if there was other stuff in life going on, they, he wasn't actually had you in his table workshop building tables for that's 10 what, years. That's what happened. It's not really, it, like, you don't uh, blame so much of the current generation, but, like, there was a break from, like, 1960 on where, like, they're just, well, why would I pass that down? We can just go buy the thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I, I mean, I don't think my dad listens to the show, but, like, I mean, he passed on no discernible skills, yeah. my father. Yeah. He didn't own, if he owned, he's got a drawer full of screwdrivers. I'm not sure I ever saw him use it once. I never saw him do any car work on his own. Like never. I not even put air in his tires. I, I, I don't think I. I don't think I ever saw that. I never tires saw him done. I never saw him use a grill until after we stopped going over to his house. Like I, Mike and I were probably twenty before I even saw him grill food. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was just unique. It was a very like, and I had no idea. And then, like, I think Mike and I both ran into stepdads or fathers-in-law, yeah, fathers-in-law who like were were like used the screwdriver. They had like sets of things, multiple sizes of screwdrivers, and like were fixing all their own stuff. And boy, I mean, we looked ridiculous yeah. showing up to these places and yeah. like, hey, you ever changed the brake brake line out? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. What is it again? Yeah, where <laughs> I put. I put tires on backwards. 
like I think about a month after I met my father-in-law. Like I, for some reason, I had like these 1950s movies thought where where the white the white goes out, you know. So you have yeah. this cool looking 50s car, and uh, boy, I struggled putting this tire on for like 20 minutes because I insisted the white part had to go out. Turns out on this car, uh, it was just a two sided tire. The white goes in, Ooh. and he sat there and watched me struggle with that for 45 minutes. And then my mother in law comes in and goes, the white side goes in, Mike. I'm like. Damn. <laughs> he watched me do this for 45 minutes, smoke four cigarettes, drink a beer, and said, watch me acting like a fool for 45 minutes. The patience of this man is, is amazing. And, like, I learned a ton from that guy, right? Like, I wouldn't know half the stuff I know. Yeah. And he'd let me sit there and hustle it out for 45 minutes look like a fool until, until her mom came in and told me he did any different. And it was awesome. <laughs> Dan, do you feel, like you're, you feel like you got, like, when you think of traditional manly skills, do you feel like your dad gave you any of that? No. No, it didn't happen. No, he wasn't around. Oh, yeah. well, okay, well, then, what if that's double fail? Yeah. Well, what about, like, uh, uncles or anything? Uh, no, they, they lived too far away. They were, like, farmer guys. They were, like, the, the picture of masculinity in my mind, but it, I didn't. I'd see them, like, 20 minutes a, a year, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no. Okay. I got so, all my masculinity from my mom. And do you, and you feel like uh, she taught me how to grow a mustache? That's right. Thanks, Mama. Here's the thing: I, the strong ladies do it. <laughs> strong ladies do it. Hey, so interesting. Oh, we'll finish out this article. Um, so he says uh, this was the context. He said very often the tough talk of Jesus was against male religious leaders who were committed to abusive forms of leadership. Now here's the thing: you're skewing it. They're all dudes. It's not like he ignored ladies. They just all the leaders happened to be men, and so. What you're trying to provide as context is actually like, uh, it's skewing it a bit. It's full, Jesus was against forms of, it's not even abusive leadership, really. It's unfaithful leadership. It's people getting caught up like narrowly for what felt like human kingdom stuff. Um, and abuse of their own, well, see, I don't like the abuse, but like it's, it's asserting their own power and influence over people improperly. Maybe you can call that abuse, but like, I just, like when you highlight male, uh, I think you're trying to excuse the story a bit because there were no ladies in those in those leadership times. So, like, you could have just said leadership, it's the same. I just feel like he's he's tilting the story a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make the case that uh, it's it's a masculine problem, I think it's a leadership problem. I think I think there's lady leaders who have the same bent, who are like who have the same risk of uh, leading for human in religious context for human aims. Uh, women are not exempt from that. So I anyway, back to my uncle. He did not live his adult life as a person of faith. Oh, this whole thing was credited as if he was a Christian male problem. He wasn't a Christian. In the final months, though, a cousin visited him. He was now a weak and lonely man. In that visit, my cousin asked him if he would like to pray and ask Jesus to embrace him in love. My uncle said that he would, and they prayed together. When my cousin told me that story, I wept tears of joy. Okay. That really tied up. I mean, what would... This is going to sound terrible and really callous, but, like, what are we spending our time thinking about, fellas? I mean, your non-Christian uncle told you a non-Christian idiom of how to behave. You let it impact your whole life. He got to know Jesus towards the end, which is great, and you tied it up with a nice I wept bow. Um, I mean, what are you trying to get the going public to, 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 to learn from this? It's okay to weep as a man. I mean, you can just say that in two sentences. Like, like we knew that. that. Jesus said, I, I wept. Uh, in fact, multiple people in the Bible wept and like that's an odd thing to even include you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like like think of uh john tells us that there's a bunch of stories of jesus that uh, didn't make it in uh i wept was in there it must be kind of important uh again some of the notions of, of Dave, when we say like david cries out like these are laments these are like 
uh, and the prophets too. Like I, I just I don't know how you could have possibly read scripture and not come away with it's all right to live the full suite of emotions that the Lord has given you, and so like. Hey, yeah, right. Like, that's the whole point. Hey, someone who's not a Christian told me something unbiblical, and I let it dominate my life. Okay, well, stop doing that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, get some better advice. Read the scriptures yeah. first. Run it through, Mr. Berean. Yeah. yeah. Get some friends who will be like, hey, man, you got to let this go. Hey, can, I, can I cry at my uh, grandpa's funeral? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. David said he uh, filled his couch with tears. Yeah, that's a lot of tears. That's tears. yeah to fill a couch. Yeah. Tear couch. <laughs> that's and he's at a king's couch. It's not no little man couch. I mean, yeah, it's true. a king's that's couch. True. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, and, and I guess that's the thing, is that, like, this guy painted it like we have a Christian culture problem. Do we? No. I don't know. No. It doesn't something, look like it. I was, uh, speaking of Christian culture, something that I thought was uh, uh, ubiquitous, everybody did this, and apparently everybody does not. It's just, like, in Christian circles, maybe. Uh I don't know. I was telling a guy that I work with that uh, my wife was bringing uh, some lady who just had a baby, uh, a lasagna, mm-hmm. and he said, what are you talking about? Why is she bringing her a lasagna? And I've I've grown up in church my whole life. And right. I thought this was just a thing that yeah, this just did. makes perfect like, sense. You, People you have on babies. Tuesday, you on Wednesday, you on Thursday. Yeah. And uh, apparently he was unaware. And I talked to several other people, and they were also like. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. And then I talked to the guy who uh, uh, also goes to church, and he's like, yeah. And you show up, and you clean the lady's house, and you, you have yeah. a time out, check <laughs> up on them. I was like, I did not realize that this was just a, just a church thing. I, I guess I didn't either. I just assumed everybody, as soon as you had a baby, people were like, we got to get some meals for these people. Yeah, now, that's what I thought. Through the years, I had people like quite shocked if we, like, hey, can we bring your food? They're like, well, um, I guess. And then we bring them food. They're like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, because yeah. it really, really impressed them. Some. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's you, you know, do? it's not even it's just a baby. You have like an operation or something that yeah. happens. Yeah. He's like, man, I'm gonna come over to your church with the cast on and get some free stuff, <laughs> and we'll give it to you. <laughs> I said, I, here's yeah. the thing: it's like we got this thing. Whoop! By now, we deliver pans that you can throw away. We bring silverware with us, you know, because we don't want you to be washing a bunch of dishes on our behalf. Yeah. I mean, we got this thing figured out. <laughs> Yeah, if if that's the thing that gets you in the doors, you feel like these Christians will give you free stuff and take care of you. Hey, yeah, show up. Do you, you want me to bake? Uh, we should bake some uh, like carrot cake or whatever, and say, hey, I kind of mentioned that you. I had a friend who was in a cast, kind of half joking around, and these good fellas showed up and said, hey, we should take this to this guy. Yeah, yeah. He wants to take advantage. We're gonna give it away. Yeah, yeah, we will. Okay. People can't steal from you what you give away. Hey, uh, you've been listening to Life in the Path. We do appreciate you hanging out with us uh, today. Uh, I, we've said a number of potentially offensive things to you. Uh, if it, Once you get done crying about it, you can give us a call or text <laughs> 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085. I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> we just got done talking about the risks of uh, uh, some of the domineering and uh, t- teaching of, of Mark Driscoll to Mars Hill. And, uh, and then we ended up with, hey, just buck it up, Charlie. It's okay to it's okay to weep, but you also don't be a burden on people around you. I, I stand by it. I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm only apprehensive on that conversation because I feel like I'll say it in too strong of a, a way and people will be offended. Yeah. But, like, I, it's not unreasonable to ask you to be part of a society. You're in a society, right? That That's just a truth, right? You're part of a community of people. Yeah. And, like, it, most people aren't coming after you because they're, they hate you or disappointed in you. They're coming after you because they... Uh, see more in you than you see and go, look, uh, you just don't have time to live a joy-filled uh, life by crying in, the, in Aldi's parking lot. I'm just telling you, people with a joy-filled life don't do that. So let's emulate people that do and let's get up and, and, and move on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Dear life from the path.
My husband and I disagree about our arrangements after we pass away. Mm. I would like to be cremated and scattered at a location with wonderful memories, like where we honeymooned. He wants a full funeral and to be buried in our hometown two and a half hours away where we have been living for almost 20 years. What a scandal. I don't have a lot of love for our hometown, and I'm estranged from my family. When I asked why he would want to be buried there, he joked that his kids won't come to visit him wherever he is, so at least his high school buddies can come to the cemetery, drink a beer, and toast him. I do not want to waver from being cremated. I feel the land is for the living. But I also worry it would be regarded as odd not to be in the same plot. Now I joke that I hope I die first because I don't want to have to honor his wishes. It's not a joking matter, though, and I appreciate advice about our disagreement. No, I, I, this feels like a joking matter to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. You would go be dead. I mean, yeah. The, the main, your main point was is I feel like uh, people would find it odd that I was not buried in the same plot as my husband. I mean... Who are they going to tell that to? <laughs> You're not even around to be offended by their offense. And like, they're not coming to visit anyway. So. Uh, yeah, you, you say they're not coming? Like, I, I, it would matter to me more if, like, if my kids or something felt strongly that they would want to go visit a gravesite. Like, it's irrelevant to me. I don't want them to have to pass my urn around and swap it out every, like, 4th of July. All right, you get dad this year. That seems awkward. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I mean, I'm more open to whatever they think, but I, past that, I don't. It's not. I don't know what being estranged from your family has to do with it. Yep. Now they're not coming anyway. A hundred years ago, you used to bury people at your own house. Now you can't do that. Got to put them in a public cemetery. I think. Hey, there's somebody by my house with a gravestone on it. And what huh. I it occurred to me just within the last month that like maybe the body's not actually there. Maybe they just bought a headstone and put it on the. They got like a, a cardoned off graveyard and everything, yeah. but just with one grave in it. I bet it is. I, I got some friends who did that. Like just like in the last five years, I can't remember when it was. Uh, Grandpa died, and took him to their farm, and, and they have their own little graveyard there, and they hand-dug the grave, and they buried him. Yeah. You, like, I, I didn't you, know you could do that. Yeah. Do you just got to get... Well, actually, I guess I did know, know that, because uh, it depends on where you're at. You may have to at least record it oh, and sure. tell them that, it, that, like, that there's a body there so that it doesn't uh, freak people out later on. Right. But like, there's, only, there's certain things that we feel like are part of the process that you don't actually have to do. Like if, you're, if someone dies, let's just go with a natural death. You got your, your grandpa or something in your, at his house and he passes away. Like you don't have to call the coroner. Like, they don't have to come pick up the body like right away. You could, you, you could have a body in your house. Now, it runs some risks <laughs> of what people are like, how long has this been in here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, uh, there's, there's people where, like, they just, um, uh, I know we sometimes you don't get time to process stuff because you're like, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, we call authorities. What authorities do? They come take it away. And, like, yeah. there is some processing that some people, some, this is for some people. Some people it's not. Um, this is not, they don't want to have anything to do with it. But, like, it's just things that we feel like, oh, that's what you have to do. But, really, I mean, you could. You say, hey, the guy died. Uh um, we're gonna. He's. We're gonna. But you can't him. transport him yourself. You can. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the we in college they had a uh, a guy. Sh- I don't. I it was like a uh, a class about like the inner workings of of church leadership or whatever. And this is it was some guy who showed up from a local church and he's like, yeah. So when I go over, you know, the funeral process with people, I just want to let them know all these things. So uh, you know, because the 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 funeral industry is such like a high dollar industry. Uh, if they want to save some coin, 
Uh, here's some options for him. I like this Missouri pastor down here. Like, here's <laughs> how you do it on the trunk. The, on the yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, uh, if they pass away, you don't actually have to call anybody. You can just load them up in the Buick and and take them on down uh, to to the to the funeral home if you feel like it. Really? Yeah. I'm going to make sure these things are explicit. Uh, I need to check the Iowa law, but like, hey, kids, you put me in a Buick. Yeah. Do not spend a dime on it. I want to sit in the front seat. Buckle yeah. me in. You, we, weekend at Bernie's, me. I'm yeah. all right with and it. And don't take any fast turns. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be real awkward for everybody. <laughs> but part, part of me. Clunk. Yeah. He whipped out the, like, he had a, a grind. I can't remember. He's like, he, he had a, like, a ankle grinder there. And he's like, you know what's going to happen? And he turned Whoa. on. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Huh. Boy, Holy now I'm, I'm less, hesi- I'm, I'm a little bit more hesitant to follow his directions. Yeah, we're going to have to look up some laws. Yeah. Okay, back to this lady's problem. Uh, you and your husband disagree yeah. on burial. Um, I mean, I feel like I wouldn't fight my wife if she wanted to get buried. Uh, I think I would, if I was the remaining spouse and that's what she asked for, uh, whatever. Well, but, yeah, but, but she wants to get cremated. Right, it's the opposite. Like, I, like that. Uh, this is, I don't know. It's probably not right, but like, it seems dest- it's more destructive. Like, the less destructive path seems like the path of compromise. Oh, to just go ahead and say, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll uh, be buried next year. Yeah, like I guess I don't understand why you would be ardently against it. I don't know why you carry the way. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah I mean, my decision, frankly, is made based on financial reasons and not having to burden my kids with some ridiculous funeral or the- ridiculous burial. Right, the funeral. Go ahead, spend some money, have some good food there, and do whatever you want. Uh, but like the actual burial portion, the the nuts and bolts of it, I, you know, mm. how many people go and visit gravestones anymore? That feels like a real old people thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't it know. feels like, like an old people thing. I don't to know. Do. Like, I, like I, I, I suppose I guess we used to do it, uh, but I, mean, I haven't done it for probably ten, fifteen years. I guess. Yeah. I'll go like on Memorial Day to like the Veterans Cemetery. My yeah. dad happens to be there, but then I feel bad. It's like my mom's across town. I don't go visit. The, I mean, oh, I, right. I'm not really doing it to visit dad. I'm doing it like okay, it's a it's a veteran thing. Right. You know, honor the vets, and uh, then I yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I think it's less common than it used to be. Yeah. I I I, I mean, there's not a biblical principle here. Yeah. So I mean, bury or don't bury or cremate, don't. Pre- I I suppose. I mean, if. It, it, unless it's a financial matter to you, I mean, agree to get buried next to him. I don't care. I mean, what does it matter? That was kind of a big, a big thing. Like the previous generation before me, there was a lot of people who thought maybe cremation was anti-biblical. Oh yeah, the pagans do that, you know, and, yeah. and you're sacrificing a body, and it's like I don't really think that's the intent, you know. No, there's power in the blood, and when you dead, there ain't no blood. Yeah, done. Commentary one time, some guy arguing for anti. Uh, uh, cremation. And he's like, "Well, how are you supposed to get a new body?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is argument. The Lord's caught in a caveat, <laughs> but you burned the body. Now, what do I do? Way yeah. to think, Nathaniel. <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't agreeing with the. I didn't write the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Lord goes. I formed man out of dust, but now they've turned themselves back into dust, and I my hands are tied. What yeah, do I do? I've been caught. <laughs> oh, oh wait, I said to dust that. Well, no, shoot. Now I'm really in a conundrum. Plus, <laughs> you think about you know bodies that have been sitting around for a, a, a hot minute. Right. We're not cremated. Or guys who fell into a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's all. Well, how about the dude that uh, is eaten by cannibals, and, and you're, you're a stew, and you've been eaten by a whole village, and then one of them gets eaten by a shark, and now it's been pooped all over the ocean, and it's like, you're everywhere. 
It's like, what, what happens then? Boy, what a turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. It's like the woman in the shoe. <laughs> I'm just saying, whose body gets resurrected? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yours or the cannibals? This is, a, this, is the, this is that Pharisee question on who's, who's she going to be married yeah. to. Yeah, I, it, I think you're, uh, if it really doesn't matter to you, let's say, you, like, she, it does wants, matter to she wants to get cremated on principle that the land is for the living. You will eventually be dust in a coffin anyway. The wood will eventually rot. You're just, you're literally just saying it's going to take longer, and he's going for the, or you're saying you want the instant. I want to be dust right now. He wants the 50-year process. Okay, now hold on, though. Like, her frame of mind is basically saying ice belongs back in the ocean. I mean, you gonna your one woman crusade on this is gonna do any good? Uh, yeah, because the cemeteries already exist. Yeah, the space is already there. Right, right. It's yeah. not like they're having to dig fresh earth uh, for you away from the national park, right? Like the, the cemetery is already there. That's right. Move the move the oil pipeline. Gretchen needs a place to be buried. <laughs> yeah, I think either one of you one of you should just bend. This is marriage, friend. Somebody's gonna have to go. I'll just do what you're doing. The one who is least attached to the problem. Yeah. My buddies can come by and toast me and drink a beer. That guy don't give a crap about this. He's just being hard to get along with. Yeah. He's yeah. just a feisty old man in his long johns. I don't know. Dan, what, what, are, what are your plans? Are you, what do you think? Are you going to cremate? You know, I, I've, always, I've always in the last 20 years whatever, said cremation just because it's cheaper. And, and I don't know. Lately, I've kind of thought, maybe I don't want to. But I think my wife wants to cremate me. She wants to watch me burn. That's different. There's something cathartic about it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't think she wants to be involved. But uh, I don't. I don't even know why. I can't even say why. Lately, I've just been like, ah, I don't know. I, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I don't care. You know, you know. But but I won't. I, I won't be around. You know. Would you still? Are you still planning on a headstone or something? Even Probably some simple little thing. Any, anymore, you can't, it's, you can't just get the big monsters unless you're in a special area yeah. that costs more. So it's like, yeah, we'll have some little thing on you walk on, you step on it and go, oh, I guess someone's there. Oh, sorry, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. That happened. Is that shark poop? Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's another guy. <laughs> How much does a mausoleum cost? Oh, I bet mausoleums are got to be 20 grand. Wouldn't you figure? Oh, like the big single one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I bet they're pretty. Can nice. you can you dig catacombs in your own place and use it as a crypt? <laughs> That'd be cool. I have a little bit of land. I mean, it, are are all cemeteries public? Can you have a private cemetery? Yeah, you have yeah. a private cemetery. So like if I, cemeteries where you're only if you're a Jew, you can you can bear, be buried there. I mean, could I could I like section off a couple acres of my land and say it's my private cemetery, and then people pay me to bury people there? Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't bother me one bit. You basically want to be a cemetery owner. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Is it wrong to profit off uh, other people's death? They're going to buy it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're waiting on the town to come by and weed whack it. I'll weed whack it with care. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want no cut, cut, cut rate funeral services. Well, Michael will take care of this. The, the cemeteries hire lawn landscaping companies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's true. All right. So we have no advice then. Somebody's got to bend here. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. Uh, for, for because she's the one that wrote the letter, my advice is you got to bend. Yeah. Like, what do you care? Uh, or or Splitskis. I don't, I don't know if it matters. Like, just keep yeah. good. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to re- ah. be dependent upon your family history, only whether you've got two grave markers next to each other. It put me, you know what? Get one headstone that says so-and-so, both people. And then if she goes first, uh, cremate her, and then hold on to her ashes until he dies and put it in the coffin. With bang. Done and done. You both get What if one. he marries another lady? This can be awkward. Right. Then you got three in the tree, you know. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I was I was looking for that as a complication. Either way, I mean, it's a what small, if it was two ladies? It's a small bag. Either way, he, yeah, <laughs> Shit, they can bury the second wife right next to him. She's going in the coffin with him to show their everlasting love. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think that's fine. Which apparently is is on the rocks because of the small disagreement on how two unconscious dead people might preserve, <laughs> like perceive on the the burial. Yeah, this is a nothing burger with a slide of mayo. You gotta let that go. Okay, here we go. Uh, the uh, secular advice says, Your last wishes are as important as your husband's. Stop worrying about what quotes people might say if you aren't buried together. If you predecease him, make sure your last wishes are in writing and hope they will be respected. If he dies first, carry out his last wishes. If he believes his old high school buddies will make a pilgrimage to the cemetery each year to toast him, suggest he leave enough money to pay for the six-packs on an annual basis and identify a cause to which it should be donated in the event they fail to show up. Hey, yeah, thanks for that. Make sure the cat has a fluffy bed in the corner of the living room. That's ridiculous. I I missed it. Yeah. Okay. You want to read one more? Okay, yeah. Then we're going to go. Okay. Arizona. Here we go. Uh, Dear Life from the Path, I've been seeing a wonderful man for seven months and spend every weekend with him. Too much. We live 45 miles apart, but it works for us. He has a group of friends, five ladies that he spends a lot of time with. He dated one of them for a year before he broke it off, but they remain friends. I have met the group, and while they act friendly, I get a proprietary vibe from them. It makes me feel extremely uncomfortable around them, and I have told them so. Am I looking for trouble where there isn't any? Should I just ignore the fact that his friends are all women? He has men friends, too, but it's the girls he is closer to. How old is this dude? No, no information. You, you think he's a geriatric scandal? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would be cautious of it. I don't know that you made it. I mean, you're not certainly making things better going, hey, this feels proprietary, and I want you to know that I feel that way. Like, I don't... That's not going to help. I mean, I feel kind of... Proprietary, I mean exclusive? Yeah. Like it's the unknown? Exclusive? No, to the, to yeah. The... Exclusive is probably the best word, right? Yeah. Like, like, she shows up, and it feels like she's the f- seventh wheel. Yeah, I mean, I, that's his fault. That's his problem. I mean, she's like, she may feel like that anyway. Just in general, she feels it may not be them acting that way. But, like, if it's a reality, like they are actually acting that way, uh, then, I mean, I don't know if I'd continue in the relationship. What's the 45 minutes have to do with this? Yeah, that's not very far. No, agreed. I, I, I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> in, in, in my adult life, I can't think of, like, I'm trying to figure out, yeah, I hang out with seven women. Uh, you know, I mean, like, I don't have seven anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, like, hang yeah. out with all the time. I mean, <sighs> that's a lot. Well, yeah, is it more concerning that they're all ladies or more concerning that he has to have such a large group of friends yeah. around all the time in a group? Or, or is she exaggerating a little bit? Uh, it could be either. I, I don't know. You, you know, it's like, what, what? but it's just the whole story is odd to me that, that he, he's just... Yeah, yeah. Our advice: you need to just break off with this man. One, because either you're not suited for whatever regular situation is going on, or two, he's weird, irregular, and you're not suited for that either. Either way, I think with this opening gambit, I just don't think this is a fresh diving board to start off on. Yeah, like so. What would you do? I guess let's ignore the fact that they're ladies at least for now. If if your friend group as a whole felt exclusionary to the lady that you were dating, uh, I get rid of the friend group. Pow. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. I would do. Yeah. Or, or like or like at least the, the my interaction with the friend group would significantly decrease. Yeah. Uh because my lady should never feel that way. Yes. Especially it's only weekends. It's like, hey friends, uh we got Monday through Friday. Yeah. That's right. 
I mean, well, my lady comes to town. We going out to dinner. Weekends, without y'all. Are, yeah, weekends are for Wanda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I don't know. He thought that three in the tree thing was funny yeah. too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll over here to the right. <laughs> um, also, what would it, you said something earlier. <laughs> so I'm feeling giggly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I would say, yeah, that that this is a relationship relevant item to the extent that, like, you've said this out loud. I don't. Again, I'm not sure how to set it to the group. This is this is a problem with your fella. Yeah, uh, this you shouldn't be feeling this way, and like if you're being hypersensitive about it, be open to the to some feedback that says you're being hypersensitive to it. But I would say that like, uh, yeah, this this could be uh, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, this should feel exclusive too. And if he's like uh, he's Hefner over here, feels like he gets to have a, a relationships across the board because of his age, then he's the wrong guy to hook up with. Uh, now listen, I'm, this is going to be an odd caveat for me, but like I'm just telling you that dudes don't take in the world in a full capacity like you probably already think. And so you should at least give them a chance to address it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you care about them, if you feel like it's going well and you're starting a relationship, I say, look, man, I feel really out of place when I'm here and all your friends are here. And he's either going to go, no, no, it's not a big deal at all because he's a jerk, or he's going to go, I had no idea. Uh, I, why don't we work on spending some time alone together? We don't have to hang around with all these people. You know, whatever. If, you know, if, you're, if you're waiting for him to, to intuitively know that you're feeling this way, there's a strong possibility he's just, he just ain't taking it in. And so I'd at least give him the chance to, to rectify it. Give him a, a heads up. This is how you're feeling. You can't be mad at him for a thing that he didn't in, intuit. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe, I, I realize that's unfair and you would expect more from a guy, but like, just honestly, they don't take in the world in the full scope that you do. right? They barely pick up on small you know, visual and or verbal cues. You pretty much got to lay the whole thing out and tell them the whole deal. And then give them a chance to, to rectify it. And you go, uh, dealing with these fellows are exhausting. I have to tell them everything. It's, it's one of the downfalls of being the dust. We just, we just don't, they just don't do this well. And I'm right. telling you, they're not doing it on purpose. They just lack the capacity that you feel like a common female would have. They just don't, they're not taking it in right. So, uh, anything else? Secular says, yep. some men relate better to women than they do men which may be why your gentleman friend is closer to these women than his male friends. They may be emitting a, quotes proprietary vibe because they feel threatened and fear you will steal him away. I don't know where this relationship is headed, and neither do you at this point. So for now, ignore the, quotes vibes, be warm and friendly to the women, and concentrate on what you have going with him. And please write me again in six months so I, I may let my readers know what happens. Yeah, just chill out. I don't think that's... No, I disagree. I think you should tell him. Uh, your feelings should be validated, right? It's important enough that it's causing you concern. I'd bring it up. Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about here? You're trying to date a guy uh, or you, you look at a married man, right? Like you're, you're trying to partner with somebody throughout life. If you are, just tell them. Like, give them the explanation. Say, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Marriages yeah. be a lot better. You just open communicate these things. You feeling frustrated with them? Tell them. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess to that end, if you're if you're going to say something, don't give him an ultimatum. Don't uh, right. Don't insist he's doing something wrong. That's right. Just say, I feel this way. Help me understand it. Let him respond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, you've been listening to Life in the Path. We do appreciate you uh, hanging out with us again tonight. Hey, baby, if you, you need some advice uh, and you're super desperate, you can give us a call and use that complaint line, and we'll be able to uh, we'll do our very best to help you on the Dear Life in the Path. So that's a 515-517-0085. Call or text 515-517-0085. We would love to hear from you. Also, uh, th- take this time this week, uh, if you listen to Life in the Path, uh, to leave us a review on your favorite podcast. 
podcast app. Uh, I don't think it actually does anything, but it does give us the warm and fuzzies. People say it does. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'm just not sure that's accurate. Okay. But anyway, yeah. we do we do, uh, we do enjoy it because it's a it's a way that we get to hear from you. And if you're dis if you're displeased with it, uh, hit the one star. Just be honest. Anyway, thanks for hanging out. We do appreciate it. Um, we are planning on seeing you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.